Welcome to The Common Rounds. Medical education for medical students by medical students. So now that we've also we've talked about how you know the cortex sends information down to the um, limbs to do motor work, we can now move on to reflexes. Mm, and yep. So what we're going to talk about today is how these reflexes arise and three main types of different muscle reflexes. Yep. A very interesting part of all of these reflexes is that you receive information from, like you can elicit these reflexes and they don't really send information to your brain. The, your body just reacts to it without without you being conscious, yep. you know, controlling it. So. And the reason we go through this is mm. uh, this important topic is that it's related to pathologies as well. Certain pathologies you get increased reflexes. Mm-hmm. For other pathologies you get reduced reflexes or absent mm-hmm. reflexes as well. And you can use these reflexes to check which level of your spinal cord is Exactly, right. yeah, really good point. Because um, yeah. there are certain reflexes that when you learn about the neuro exam, mm-hmm. upper, lower, um, including cranial nerve exams mm. that have elicit certain reflexes yeah. we'll talk about the principles i think if you're not familiar with muscles please go and have a listen to our, our, our muscle physiology talks that we did in the mus- musculoskeletal um, block yeah. but i don't think you need a lot of background knowledge to understand this lecture yeah. so let's talk about very briefly what a motor nu- a, uh, unit is because it doesn't mm-hmm. make sense otherwise okay so a motor neuro uh, sorry a motor unit consists of a single motor neuron and also the muscle fiber that it innervates. So a neuron that goes to the motor neuron, actually, or, or to the muscle fiber would be called a motor neuron, yep. and it's mainly called the alpha motor neuron. Yeah, and you guys might come across another term called called the motor neuron pool, and that's a group okay. of motor neurons that innervate fibers within the same muscle. Okay. So, you know, you can't just have one single nerve going into one muscle fiber. You can have multiple nerves coming from the spinal cord. Mm. Um, for example, let's say the musculocutaneous mm. nerve, which innervates the biceps, for example, that can branch into different, mm. can have a number of branches that go to different fibers within that, that muscle unit. That's how I remember it. Yep. Now, in addition to that, muscle fibers can be described as having extrafusal, having mm-hmm. extrafusal fibers and intrafusal fibers. What mm-hmm. are the differences, Andy? So the extrafusal fibers, I think, would be the typical muscle fibers that you would picture it to be. You know, you know, someone who's like really um, a really buff person with a lot of muscle, you'd I think that would be mainly made up of extrafusal fibers. They're the muscles that pull and contract and you know, move the body. Yeah. Whereas intrafusal fibers, they're within, uh, they're located within that whole bunch of muscle, and they're, what they do, what they're done is that they're innervated by gamma motor neurons instead of compared to the alpha motor neurons, and they're what they do is that they have a completely different function to extrafusal muscle fibers. Yeah, the more they play an important role for sensory, which is exactly what we're going to talk about. Mm. So within the extrafusal fibers, you might see, uh, or part of this is a structure called the muscle spindle, mm-hmm. and that the muscle spindles are part of the intrafusal fibers, and they run parallel mm-hmm. to the extrafusal fibers. So we're mentioning a lot of these fusal fibers, but the, mm-hmm. they run parallel to the extrafusal fibers, mm-hmm. and the purpose is to keep an eye on the static as well as the dynamic changes in muscle length mm-hmm. of the extrafusal fibers. Mm-hmm. And the reason that's important is that, you know, you don't want your muscle to be extensively stretched because you can rip your muscles and you don't want, um, and you don't want to have too much weight on your muscles, for example, mm-hmm. in a dyna- in a static sense, because that can have the same effect. Mm-hmm. But from these muscle spindles, they can be then classified into two types, the nuclear bag fibers and the nuclear chain fibers. What are the differences between the mm-hmm. two? So, Bag fibers detect changes in muscle length, so I think they're more dynamic, and so they would um, they so they are, in what they do is that they're innervated by um, group one A afferents, mm-hmm. so they send one A afferents to the uh, to the spinal, spinal cord, cord. Yeah. whereas the nuclear chain fibers they detect changes in the muscle length, so at, at a static point of in a static point of view. So, so let's say you're holding a, 
a heavy weight and you're not mm-hmm. moving your arms. That's probably what's being active at, at that time. Yep. And so these send information through group two afferents to the spinal cord. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The way I remember the difference okay. between um, a nuclear and a chain yep. fibers is that mm-hmm. a chain is a static object to me. It doesn't change. Okay. Yeah. All right. And so mm-hmm. chain fibers are involved with static motion okay. or yep. looking at the static composition of the muscle. Mm-hmm. That's how I remember. It's a bit of a memory aid uh, mm-hmm. for me. And so let's say what happens. So let's say your muscle, your muscle, your biceps contract, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What happens to the stretch fibers as well? Do they get stimulated as well at the same time? Mm. So depending on whether if it was a conscious contraction or not, let's say if it was an unconscious contraction, let's say somebody, you know, like let's say suddenly pulled your forearm and caused the muscle to stretch. In that sense, the muscle spindle would have been stretched and that would cause a stim- so activates the back fibers and chain fibers and they send information through the 1A and 2 afferents yep. into the spinal cord. Mm-hmm. And from that point on, the body doesn't... So usually, if it was subconscious or some, some external force causes the stretching and the contractions, your the a reflex will kick in through the alpha motor neurons to tell your biceps to reflexly contract and yep. resist that initial change. Exactly, because, mm-hmm. you know, like... The whole point of the spindle fibers is to maintain the length of your muscles. Yeah. You don't want it to be overly stretched. And the spindle fibers, they take that overstretch and try to inhibit that by getting the muscle to contract back into its um, normal position. Yeah. That's kind of, you're kind of alluding to one of our reflexes we're going to talk mm. about. Actually, while we're on that topic, mm. um, before we actually, before we move on, so there are also the Golgi tendon organs, which are important sort of sensory components in the tendon that are important for detecting extrafusal muscle stretch as well and tension on the muscle and there's also the Pacinian corpuscles which I mentioned before mm-hmm. that are important for vibration as well yep. well the Golgi tendons can also elicit their own reflexes as well yep. so the stretch fibers can elicit their reflexes the Golgi yep. tendons, tendons can elicit their own reflexes mm-hmm. and now that we're on the topic of reflexes let's explore a, a, an important reflex called the stretch myo, uh, myotactic reflex. Yes. How does that, you kind of alluded to already, but do you want mm. to just briefly explain? Because it has an yep. additional component that you haven't mentioned mm. yet. And so the, I think the stretch myotactic reflex is usually the reflex that we're all trying to elicit when um, when you do, let's say, knee jerk reactions or mm. ankle uh, ankle reflexes, elbow reflexes. Um, all the reflexes. All the reflexes. <laughs> that, that we, that we yeah. use a hammer for. Yeah, exactly. So what you do is that you use a hammer to hit the tendon and by hitting the tendon you cause the muscle to be stretched in a particular direction and when that happens that stimulates the alpha 1 afferent fibers inside the um, the muscle yeah, that's so inside the stretch um, yeah. spindle yeah. yeah and what happens and so that would go to the spinal cord and they will synapse to a alpha motor neuron and so what happens is that that alpha motor neuron comes back to that activated muscle and then causes the muscle to contract. Yep. And when we say contract, that basically means uh, acts in the opposite direction as the, as the stretch that we've elicited. Exactly. So it helps maintain the same muscle length. Yeah. So you're kind of making the body think it's being stretched, but really it, it isn't. You're just using the hammer to listen. And that's why yeah. when someone's sitting on a chair and you hit their knee, they're going to get the you know the knee reflex, the yep. knee jerk. It's for that reason, because mm. the knee's not really moving, but the hammer makes the body think that it's moving. Mm. So the other one, as we mentioned, refers to um, the Golgi um, tendon. So the yep. Golgi tendon, the name of it is called the Golgi tendon reflex, or you guys might come across it as the inverse myotactics or inverse. So it does the opposite mm-hmm. of the stretch um, reflexes. Mm-hmm. So what does that do, Andy? So the with the Golgi tendon reflex, what happens is that it senses information through 1B afferents, or when the body is st- static, 
Actually, no, so that, that's not correct. So it sends information through 1B, yep. but what that does is that it basically tells the body to relax the said muscles yeah. when that gets activated too much. And I think what it hap- to, to make things a lot more easier to understand is just that it wants to prevent your body from overloading and without... Um, without bearing too much load that the body yeah. can't, can't stand. What about, yeah, I mean, we were having a chat before this episode, and you gave a really good example of that muscle, that reflex in action. Do you want to just tell our audience mm. what, what that is? So I'm picturing, like, let's say you're walking like in the library, and I'm with Hamid, and he wants to, to carry like lots of books, and he grabs um, Harrison's, and he wants to read five copies of it. So he <laughs> dumps it onto my hands. Usually I was already carrying two books, but then after five copies of Harrison's, I, I drop all the It's books. a bit heavy, isn't it? Yes, and so it's the Golgi tendon reflex that comes in and causes me to drop everything. Yeah, exactly. That's right so that's yeah it just protects the muscle from getting excessively stretched and then damaging the, the muscle yeah now the, the next one is really interesting because that's that gets a bit complicated the last reflex that i think you guys should know is uh referring to the flexible withdrawal reflex mm-hmm. and it's polysynaptic so it does some interesting stuff ipsilaterally but also contralaterally as well yeah the way i remember is that if you put your prick your toe on a really sharp mm. pin yeah. that toe withdraws from that stimulus but if, if another action doesn't happen, you're going to fall over. So let's talk about what the other action is. So what happens there, Andy? Mm. Okay, so very similar to the myotactic reflex initially, actually. So some a stimulus arrives to the um, to the spinal cord through 1A afferents, and then what happens is that they synapse with interneurons. These interneurons go to the same side of the leg and tells it to withdraw and causes flexion, whereas these interneurons also communicate to the opposite your opposite leg on the opposite side and tells it to contract and extend. And the reason why is, let's say, you know, you're walking along the road and you stepped on a pin. <clears throat> the leg that stepped on the pin is going to flex and, and withdraw it, but you also want the opposite leg to firmly plant itself onto the ground. To so support the weight. Yeah, so yeah. you don't fall over. Yeah. So one, so on the ipsilateral side, the flexors are activated. On the contralateral side, the extensors are activated. Makes sense. Yeah. Flex to remove your feet from the source of pain. Mm. Extend from the other side to support your weight so you don't fall over. Yeah. So that's it. Really interesting. So the stretch myotactic reflex is mm. very simple. It's when the spindles feel a bit of a stretch. Mm. They send via sensory fibers into the spinal cord mm-hmm. and they cause contraction of that the same muscle yep. to bring it back into um, back into the you know acceptable level of stretch yep. Golgi is when the tendon is actually really stretched under the head under for example a heavy load like mm-hmm. let's say you're carrying a really heavy weight and it causes the muscles to relax so they do opposite mm. things so it inhibits your alpha motor neurons exactly inhibitory, inter- inhibitory interneurons exactly so they yeah. just do the opposite things and that yep. causes that muscle to relax so you drop the weight and you don't hurt yourself and flexes that's just yeah, a really unusual but really interesting yeah. one to remember. So in this episode, we talked about what a motor neuron pool is. We talked about some of the um, extrafusal, intrafusal, and mm. we talked about three key reflexes, the stretch reflex, the Golgi tendon reflex, and the flexor withdrawal reflex. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to add? I think um, just one last thing is that just to clarify what a gamma motor neuron would be if, if somebody comes across it, it's just it basically uh, controls the intrafusal fiber length so that it mm. helps... Um, reset the it, it helps increase the sensitivity yeah. of the um, the intrafusal fiber what uh, despite whatever type of stretch you've got um, exerted on yep perfect exactly right mm. um, yeah so thanks for tuning in guys we're going to start talking about some of the brain structures in our future episodes mm. I think the next one that we've sort of alluded to already is the thalamus so yep. let's explore what the thalamus does oh, that's gonna um, it's going to be really interesting but I think it's going to be relatively short one so thanks for tuning in and um, we hope that you guys can join us in our next episode see you next time our episode today was put together by our executive producer Gautam and our co-editor Cindy. 
For notes, elective experiences, and much more study resources, visit our website on thecommonrounds.wordpress.com or visit us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. If you like our episodes, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. It means a lot to us. You've been listening to The Common Rounds. I'm Hamid. And I'm Andy. And we'll see you next time. See you next time.